0: All right, if you've got your copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, if you'll take it. And we're going to ultimately get to the book of Matthew, uh, but we're going to get there by way of 1 John. So you go ahead and turn to 1 John and and keep your finger over there in the bulletin uh, where the bulletin says in Matthew uh, chapter 15. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for all of the many blessings you bestow upon us. Lord, we thank you and Lord, we pray that you would help us to remain faithful and, Lord, we do pray that we would live our lives in a way that people would see that, yes, we do believe. And, Father, I pray that as we uh, continue on this series entitled Christian, that we indeed would live uh, as you've called us to live, and that's as disciples. And so I pray that we would, uh, that, root, that word would take root in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that your word would take root in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that everything that we say and do uh, for the rest of our lives would be done in such a matter that the world can see that we love, And the world can see that we believe. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, like I said, we're going to start in uh, 1 John. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I thought what we would do this morning and continue in this series uh, entitled Christian. Uh, We've been talking about the word Christian. And uh, if you remember, we've said that the word Christian and any remnant of the word Christian only shows up three times in the whole Bible. And the times that it's used, it's not used in a positive way. It's actually used in a degrading way towards people who are Christ followers. And it's never a word that Christ followers use to describe themselves. It's always a word that the outside looks at a group of Christ followers and goes, Christians. And so there is a word that we talked about that Jesus uses routinely. It's his go-to word, and that word is disciples. And this is a painfully scary word because Christian is not defined. A Christian can be whatever you want it to be because there is no biblical definition of it. But when you lock into the word disciple, it is clearly defined what Jesus's expectations are. And one of the things as we've been going through this series that I'm afraid of is I'm afraid that our culture has done something horrible, and that's that we've we've kind of made a multi-tiered Christianity, which I think is horrible. I think we have we can be Christians, we can be the minimum standard and be okay. Or you can be really dedicated and be a disciple and be a real follower of Christ. You guys think that 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 exists? Give me a little head nod. You can see that there's a. Sometimes we distinguish between the two. Jesus never did that. You were a disciple. You are a Christ follower, or you weren't one at all. And so the the way that we do as Americans and as as good, self righteous, upstanding people, we make loopholes. Like all of you guys like loopholes, right? Everybody likes a loophole. If you don't think you like loopholes, when your tax man calls you and says, hey, I found a way that we can get you uh, not paying that $5,000 that you owe the government, you're like, cha-ching, IRS loophole. I love it, right? And you also love it when we pick up God's word and we lock into a verse and we go, ha, loophole. I don't have to do all that other stuff. I found a way out of it. And if you think for a second that you don't like loopholes, when you were a kid, you got started off down the the road of loopholes. So you want to go to a party and your parents say, "Uh, sure, you can go to the party. Are their parents going to be home? And you would say, yes. And then you would get home from the party and your parents would have found out that their parents weren't home. And your parents said, I thought you said their parents were going to be home. And you said, well, you said, are their parents going to be home? And I knew that it was their house, and so eventually they were going to be home, right? That's the sort of stuff that you played. You got in trouble in the park, and you said, um, But officer, the sign says no skateboards. I only have this skateboard, and so I'm I'm not doing anything wrong. And you think, yeah, well, we've grown out of that. You dog people out there do the same thing. Officer, officer. I don't have, the sign says no dogs allowed, and we're only walking our dog. And so I thought everything was okay, but he's gotten off the leash. Can you help me find my dog, please? Like loopholes. We all do it. You guys didn't think the dog one was as funny, did you? It's probably because that's the one we're most guilty of. And so we love loopholes. Religious people have loopholes. Religious people have tons of loopholes. The Catholics have the best loophole out there. And I'm going to tell you what the loophole is. And then just in case there's any of you with Catholic family members, I'm going to tell you that it's not really a loophole. It just gets used as one. If you're a Catholic, and I'm going to, I'm going to hit the Protestants in a minute, so don't get your feathers all ruffled. If you're a Catholic, you can do whatever you want all throughout the week. You can do anything you want. And then on Sunday, it rolls around, you go to confessions, you get it all off your chest, and you're good to go for another week. Loophole. Do whatever you want confess it all clean slate if you're protestant we have an even better one because you don't even need the priest we got first john the biggest loophole around says this first john chapter one verse nine if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and so we don't even need the priest we can just do whatever we want and then all we have to do is confess to christ and he forgives us of our sins and we believe that when Christ forgives us of our sins, He forgets them. And so this means that next week, when we do the exact same thing, when we go to Lord, when we go to the Lord, and we say, "Lord, we've I've done it again. I'm back in the same mess that I was in," He goes, "What mess? I don't remember you were in any mess." And so loopholes, we all love them, but you know that Catholic confessions isn't supposed to work like that. It's actually a pretty good system that they've set up. And you know, as funny as it is. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 doesn't work like that also. It's not a magic loophole that gets you out of any sort of trouble. And so what I want you to do is I want to take you over to the book of Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to walk you through when some of the Pharisees and Sadducees or Pharisees and scribes tried to get out of something with a loophole and Jesus stops them in their tracks. And so as we're going about through this study, one of the things I want you to think about is that Disciples don't look to God and to God's word to see how little of something they can do They look to God's and God's word to see how much they can do A Christian looks at God's word and tries to see the bare minimum they can get away with and still be in good shape But a follower of Christ looks to his word and tries to see exactly what they need to do to please the Lord And so here we go Matthew chapter 15 says this. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples, and they say this to Jesus. They said they came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. So, they come on the spot. Hey, Jesus, why don't your disciples, why do your disciples break the tradition of men or the elders and they don't wash their hands when they eat? Some of you may think, yes. Now I have a verse that my kids need to wash their hands before they eat. Here's the thing. By this time in history, the Pharisees knew the law, right? Everybody knows the Old Testament law. I told you you got 600 and some odd commands plus the 10 commandments that you need to keep up with. Well, what the Pharisees and Sadducees and all these guys had done is they had built a fence around the law. And they came up with more laws to keep you from breaking the 600 laws. And so... I think that this might be what our our government's modeled after, right? Just keep making laws to keep people away from what's really important, right? Just loosen up just a little bit, right? Haven't said anything political, I'm just saying that we have an abundance of laws, right? Most of which aren't important. So here you go. Now you've got these laws, which we call the tradition of the elders, and they're to keep you from breaking the main law. And And the Pharisees say, why do they break the tradition of the elders by not washing their hands before they eat? We see the The Bible never said you have to wash your hands before you eat. What the Bible says in the book of Leviticus is that before the priest does any of his temple business, he has to ceremonially wash his hands. And so what they said is they said, okay, if it's good for him, let's put it on everybody. And you go, well, we would never do that. Really? That's what we're good at. We're good at looking at what's good for one person and pinning that on a whole crowd of people. And, and you want to say, well, we'd never do that. How do we do that? So we just had a, a youth band here, right? And and I, I didn't say anything to the youth band except for thank you for coming. Uh, and I, I gave them kind of a few guidelines. And what every member of the youth band said to me, right? This is about six people in the band. And each of them, they wouldn't say this as much out loud. They'd get me by myself. And this was their main question for me. They didn't ask, what kind of music do you want us to play? They didn't ask any of the things like that. What music do the kids like? This was their main question for me. We're not going to get you fired, are we? That was their question. Because they knew that breaking the tradition of elders is more drastic sometimes than breaking the commandments of God. And all of this was uninvited. And so here you go. You have, they come to Jesus, and they say, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. And basically their question is, Why don't your disciples do what we do? And then Jesus says this. And so they try to catch him. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? That's tough. So they say, Why do you break the tradition of elders... And then Jesus says, why do you break the commandments of God? Which one would you rather keep? Commandments of God, traditions of elders. Hopefully it's commandments of God. And so then he says in verse 4, and he catches them in what they're guilty of. He says, for God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, those are the commandments of God, but this is what you say. This is a loophole. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have given, excuse me, whatever I would, tongue-tied, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So what's going on here, to kind of put this into context, is most of you all know that taking care of your aging parents is expensive, Right? You know that. that End-of-life care, incredibly expensive. Keeping people comfortable in old age is expensive. And so what's going on here is that these Pharisees have parents that they need to take good care of, and they don't want to because it's expensive. And the Scripture says that you need, the command of God is that you need to honor your mother and father. And so what they do is they make a loophole in their tradition of elders, and they say, yes, you need to honor your mother and father but if you dedicate everything you have to god you don't have to take care of your mother and father because after all that's not your money anymore it's god's money and who am i to take money that's been dedicated to god and help mom and dad be comfortable in their old age to which you would go shame on them but that's what they did that's their loophole for getting out of taking care of mom and dad. And so they're looking for the least that they can do. And so it's like, okay, I'm sorry, mom. I know I'd like to update your bathroom so that it can be handicap accessible. I'd like to do that, but see, I've dedicated all my money to God. And if I, if I help you with this handicap accessible bathroom, I'm going to have to take money away from God in order to do it. And you see that this is bogus, right? Give me a little head nod I was talking to a church leader Within the last two weeks And this church leader Is the leader of a church That doesn't have any money And I said well have you ever Talked to the people about tithing And his response was I can't talk about tithing Because we don't really know what tithing is And he said this He said we've got a lot of members Who have aging parents Isn't them taking care of their parents kind of like their tithe? It's a modern-day loophole. No. Taking care of your aging parents is nothing like tithing. That's taking care of your aging parents. Your parents took care of you when you were a child. You take care of them when they're aging. And you pray to God that your kids take care of you when you start aging also. Uh, I was talking to somebody in our church this week and we were talking about taking care of someone that's aging and they were like, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, that's a tough one, but you take good care of them and then you pray your kids take good care of you when you need help also. I heard another loophole when it comes to the whole tithing idea. This isn't a tithing sermon, but people really like loopholes when it comes to money. Uh, this was probably 10 years ago. This was one of the first questions I ever got asked, uh, as a youth pastor. We take a group of people to a Christian concert and there was a, a lady who was with us and she was really strapped for money. Right? She's on a fixed income. She's got a limited budget. And this woman has just committed to tithing. Right? This is a good thing. I believe that even if you're on a limited income and you tithe, that God takes care of you through it. Right? You exercising faith in tithing opens up a door for Him to flood you with blessings. I believe that. Not always material, but he enables you to make it. I lived for years in the red, have no idea how he made it, but came out of the whole situation with no debt. So we're at this Christian concert or whatever, and she says, oh, hey, pastor, I really didn't have money to, but I bought a Christian T-shirt. Okay. She says, she's a real numbers person like some of you. She says, do you think I should take that out of my tithe budget? Because I really don't have any other money to buy the t-shirt. And I thought, boy. You bought something for yourself that you wanted. And you want to take it out of God's allotment of money. That's what I was thinking to myself. But what I told her was, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should find, you should work an hour of overtime to pay for the t-shirt. You should find some way to come up with it. Other than taking it out of your tithe. Loophole. We all love them. But they're all bad. Sometimes Because we're always and frequently trying to find ways to do as little as possible to serve the king. And so sometimes we've gone away from serving the intentions of the king and his rules to falling in love with the law and how to get around it. And so I'm going to go over to the book of Romans. Now I'm in Romans chapter 13. This is the last part that we're going to turn to. And so, it, while you're turning to the book of Romans, I want you to know one thing about Jesus. Jesus always hates it when his followers use his words to get around what his father has commanded them to do. You see this frequently in um, in academic circles. In some of your more liberal academic circles, uh, people will put Paul, Peter, and Jesus all against each other. Right, Jesus, Peter, and Paul make up the bulk of the New Testament and they'll put them against each other as though they were pushing forward different and alternate views of different subjects. And the reality is, is that this whole thing fits together like a glove. And we need to, when we go to this, we need to remember that the Lord wrote it all and he wants us to keep it all. He doesn't want us to put it against each other. So you go to Romans chapter 13 and Paul addresses this sort of thing. And he goes back to what we've been talking about a real disciple looks like from the get-go. If you remember when we were back in the book of John, the idea was that Jesus had all of his followers gathered around. And he said, a new commandment I give to you. Right? If you forget the 610-ish commandments you had before, remember this commandment. Love one another. By this, they'll know that you're my disciples. If you love one another the way that I loved you. And so you could sum up this whole book just like Jesus did when the uh, scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and they put him on the spot and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do that, you will have fulfilled the whole law. And so everything boils down to Love your neighbor as yourself. So when we come to a potential loophole as Christians, what do we do? Do we take the loophole? And what I want you to see here is that love ought to be the guiding principle for every decision we make. This is Romans chapter 13, verse 7. It says this. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes due. That's not popular in April. Tax to whom taxes due. Custom to whom custom Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Give. So he says, give everybody what you owe them. Verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And listen to this. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this. And so you're going to leave here. And you're going to go, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Can you believe he wore a t-shirt to church and tried to cover it up with some lame jacket? What about that? What about that? That's got to be wrong. It's summed up. All of your questions, all of the loopholes is this. And if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so when it comes to any situation in your life and you wonder what the Bible says and you think, well, I'm reading this passage and it looks like this, but then I'm reading this passage and it looks like it gives me a way out. You go with love. Which interpretation of the passage shows the most love to anybody that you come eyeball to eyeball with? And that's where the scripture is going. Because all of the scripture can be summed up as love your neighbor as yourself. And so the problem is is that you you have Christians on every side of every issue. If you went to the House of Representatives, if you went to the Senate, you would have people who call themselves Christians on one side of a partial birth abortion. And you'd have another group of people, some of which contain Christians, on the other side of a partial birth abortion idea. And so we as Christians... As opposed to going with love Sometimes we use God's word as a mace Like not spray mace But a ball and chain type mace You know what I'm talking about? When I was in the army I got back from overseas uh, And a friend of mine invited us over for dinner And so my wife and I, we go to his apartment And a gun show had just come through Hampton I was stationed in Newport News And so I had bought a new pistol And I, and I really just wanted to show it to everybody And so I took it with me, which is normal And um It really is normal. And so I took it with me. And then in the course of conversation, I made sure that my gun came up. And he's like, man, I'd really like to see it. And so I I pull it out and I show it to him. And his wife was anti-gun. I don't know how she married somebody in the Army. But anyways, this this gal was anti-gun. And so uh, I just asked him. I said, so you're telling me that you live in Newport News in an apartment where people's cars are frequently left on cinder blocks in the middle of the night because they've stolen your tires and rims? Right? There's always people in Newport News and Hampton getting robbed at gunpoint. You don't have a gun in your house? He says, no, I have mace. To which I said, and if don't take this offensive to you. I, was, I had a lot of vinegar, I've heard, in my system uh, at, at 19, 20 years old. I said, you sissy, you have mace by your bed? Like, that's what's going to keep you safe when somebody busts into your house? And he says, no, man, I don't have any spray mace. He says, look at this. And so he goes to his bedroom and he comes out with a ball with spikes in it on a chain with a stick. And he says, no, this is a mace. And I said, that's your plan if somebody comes to your front door is to go medieval on them? Just to swing this mace around? Listen, gang, that's what we do with the Bible sometimes. We take the Bible and we we pick a verse that we like. And we swing it around and we hit everybody we can with it. And typically, traditionally, it's been verses that we don't have problems with. There was a time, not too distant, that if you were divorced, you wouldn't have fit into a conservative evangelical church. We'd all agree that that's a bad thing There was a time If you were a biracial couple You wouldn't have fit into a traditional church A lot of those Traditions of men Rather than Traditions of elders Rather than God's word But we swing things around all the time That we don't have problems with To attack people Who deal with things that, that we don't have I wish that it were that we took the whole counsel of God and we raised it up as the standard. And I wish it was that whenever anybody dealt with anything, we did it with love instead of like a mace. And so, whatever petty it is that you deal with, that's sin, is really on the same playing field as what someone else deals with that may seem much more culturally unacceptable. It's all sin. And it all needs to be dealt with out of love. And hopefully you listened last week about the difference between when do you show love or when do you show grace and when do you raise the law? That is kind of your guiding principle for everything we're talking about. But what Christians do is they wield this around as a mace often. But what disciples do is they use this more as a mirror instead of a mace. A disciple will go to God's Word and they'll look at it and they'll see how it applies to them and they'll get their lives right and then they'll have compassion on someone else and instead of wielding a mace they'll come alongside them with their arm around their shoulder and they'll help them with whatever they're going through you see the difference there? one is attacking and and busting apart anything it hits and the other is hey man, I got stuff that I'm walking through too let's walk through this thing together that's what being a disciple looks like And so, bottom line, when it comes to loopholes, your guiding principle should be love. And love should guide every decision you make, everything that you want to get out of, you should look to love. And so, let me give you an example of, this is going to be a really, I'm going to put my finger on a, you know when the doctor says, does it hurt here, does it hurt here? And you're like, yeah, it hurts here. I told you my knee hurt when I walked in the building. You didn't have to poke it, right? You been there? This is the poke in the knee. This is one thing that some of us struggle with. And this is a tradition of elders as opposed to the law. I want you to know I'm telling you this out of love. And I'm telling you this because this could take our church from average to off the charts. Some of you who have been here a long time view our deacon board as a group of representatives. They're your chosen representatives. And if you have a problem with me, or if you have a problem with someone else, you go to a deacon. And then the deacon goes to whoever, the person that needs to be addressed. That is as unbiblical as it gets. Matthew 15 says if you have a problem with someone, you go to that individual and you talk to them. A lot of you, excuse me, let me take that, let me walk that back. We're gonna edit that, Ron. We're not gonna put that on the website. There are many people who will go to people that they think I respect in the church, and they will tell them things, thinking that I will listen better if it comes from someone else. You are in sin when you do that. Because the scripture clearly says that if you have a problem, you go to that individual and you talk to them. That also means that if you have a problem with someone else, you don't come to me with the problem. You go to that individual. And when you go, you go in love. You don't go because you want things your way. You with me? That's one issue that will take our church from average to off the charts. Because there might be a good reason why something is done a certain way. And the person you went to might have no idea. But if you go to the person who may have offended you... They will tell you exactly why they did it that way and you may win somebody Like there's one person there's one time that something happened. Uh, there was something going on at church Uh, that was getting a little old, right? If you come to sundays and wednesdays Sometimes things can get a little bit stale And somebody in this church loved me enough To come to me and they came to my office and they said pastor I've heard this to which I went. Oh, no Here we go again And then do you know what they said next? They said, I heard this. They said, but I believe it too. I haven't just heard it, but I'm one of the people who believes this. And they said, Wednesday nights are getting a little bit stale. We love you, but what's going on on Wednesday nights, we've been doing it for a while, and we'd really like to mix things up. I said, thank you. I don't want you to come and sit through something boring. And if everybody else feels the same way, my God, why has no one told me yet? This is a simple fix. I'm not offended at all. What I want is you to be engaged and growing spiritually every time we get together. And to think that someone would not love me enough to tell me, I can't even imagine. A real friend tells another friend when they have a booger in their nose, right? I caught a lot of you off guard. I'm sorry. We need to be those people. Okay. We need to love each other enough to tell people sometimes things that hurt so that we can grow together. And I probably have one of the best relationships with that individual who told me, do you know why? Because I know that person will not feed me a line every time I'm talking to them, but I know they tell me the truth. And so I can have an honest conversation with them. And I love that about them. Even if it hurts. Even if it hurts. And so, brothers and sisters, let's use this as a mirror. Let's not always look for loopholes in this. And in closing, it's it's natural to look for loopholes. It's natural to look for the easy way out, anything that we're doing. But go home with this thought. Aren't you glad that Christ didn't look for a loophole when he came to this earth to die for your sins? Aren't you glad that when he was in the garden and he was praying, aren't you glad that he didn't say, God, let me out of this. And when God said no, he looked for a loophole and got out of it anyways. Because if you spend enough time in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you can find loopholes for anything that you want to if you take a verse and you pull out a context. But let's be people who use the full extent of God's word as a mirror to our lives. And we go about operating in love. And whenever we get to loopholes, we don't ask how little we can do to get by. But we ask what love would do in any and every situation. Amen? Boy, that was not convincing. But I'm going to close this in prayer. And pray that on the inside, you are shouting amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you have given us all the answers we need to understand loopholes. Father, I pray that as we go about life, as we go to work tomorrow, as we go to school tomorrow, Lord, I pray that we would never look for loopholes to get out of the things you tell us. But Lord, I pray that we would come to grips with the things you've said, and I pray that we would operate in all of our interactions with love. Lord, I pray that we would love each other the way that you loved us. And Lord, I pray that the world would know that we're your disciples by the way we love one another. And so, Father, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in you, Lord, if there's anyone here who's never had their sins forgiven in assurance of an eternal home in heaven, I pray that today would be the day that you forgive them of all their sins. Lord, I pray that they'll put their faith in you. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who's been operating uh, underneath of a uh, loophole mentality, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they jump on board with the full counsel of your word. And Father, I pray that we would look to love to answer any of our questions about how we should interact with you or how we should interact with others. This is all in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us for a hymn of invitation. Well, it's good to see all you guys today. I pray that you'll have a uh, great week. I pray that you'll manage to stay dry somehow this week as we get some more much-needed rain. And uh, uh, I'm going to ask, don't forget, if you want one of these awesome t-shirts, or if you want all of these shirts, they're available. Uh, James will get them to you. Uh, I'm going to ask Jack Powell, would you close us in prayer?